Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. Knox and David German with Punching Left, and we're here, as usual, to give the left a good, hard punch right in the nutsack. Um, <laughs> David, how are you doing? All right. All um, right. Uh, <laughs> you're doing all right? That's cool. <laughs> and I believe we have Doug on here with us. Doug, you on with us? Yes, I am. All right. Can you hear me? Uh, welcome on. We sure can. Sound good and clear. David, uh, this is Blog Talk Radio, everybody, so you might we might experience a little bit of a sound issue occasionally. Do I sound good and clear, David, to you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, he does. Okay, good. All right. So the topic of tonight's um, discussion, and it's going to be a short episode, we, we wanted to come on and, and just have a short talk about something that we've mentioned repeatedly over the last 20 or so episodes, and that's the idea of the Rothbardian Covenant community. Um, and I think it's kind of a center point uh, to what we think about. We think about a minimal, minimal state uh, or no state, if, if that's what you prefer. Uh, and, and so, uh, David, when someone says to you covenant community, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, private property rights. Um, okay, and, and elaborate well, on that a little bit. Um, covenant community is a place where uh, shared cultural ideas, shared um, uh, 
maybe even religious ideas, ethnic ideas, uh, and it's uh, shared in a community and it's um, believed and and uh, and inherent protections. Um, well, what if somebody were to say, "I'd like to live in a in a community that's primarily um, communists." I would like someone that says they'd like to live in a community that's communist. Um, yeah, I yeah. sure wouldn't want to live next to that community. <laughs> <laughs> but but theoretically, as long as they keep their business inside their community and they don't go outside of it, that's probably doable. Correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, there's going to be economic <laughs> issues, correct? Yeah. As, they'll as, turn, as far as they can try it, if they like. They can try it. I, but it'll be based. It'll be based on uh, property rights, which is a, a performative contradiction there. <laughs> well, well, the whole the whole thing is, and I hear Doug laughing back there, but the thing is, is if you look, when I say there's a reason why I say Rothbardian, I think we should probably I should probably say something about that first. Because a lot of people talk about covenant communities, and Rothbardian uh, covenant communities is a situation in which everybody has agreed up front to this sort of overlying set of rules. He called it a constitution. I call it common law. I think that everybody will have to agree to adhere to common law regardless of what their views on property are. Um, so, you know, if in your community you want to try to do things in a socialistic way, that's that's fine. But when it comes to dealing with other communities, you're going to have to deal with you're going to have to work with common law. Um, yeah. Doug, I, I heard you laughing back there. So, so what is what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, <laughs> okay. Um, first, I think uh, socialists and communists are demonstrable threats to anyone who does practice private property. So, I'm a little leery of anyone who's going to mm-hmm. proclaim that they that they don't believe that my property is mine and uh, being next to them might uh, might have guns pointed their way specifically for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> They're legitimate. Right, and I agree. <laughs> I, I agree with you. And one of, the, one of the problems that I see, and it's one of the reasons why I don't like um, uh, this idea of polycentric law either, is because um, when you look at – uh, if you have one legal system that's based on communist or socialist ideas and another system that's based on private property ideas, and then they start to – for instance, the, one of the communist people run onto your property and start building things, and you're like, hey, wait a minute. That's my property, and they're like, no, you can't own that. That's theft, and the next thing you know, you have a conflict, and, and both sides think that their people are right. Eventually, these two communities are going to have to – they're going to collide. So right. this is this comes down to the reason why I don't believe in polycentric law. I think that you're going to have to have some form of a, of what I would consider to be common law, based probably on something akin to natural law, natural rights theory. Um, now I've heard some people say that they don't think that it quite meets that natural law doesn't quite uh, um, meet all the needs that, that philosophically or, or or whatever. I really think it's probably out of all. That's coming hey, from Clifton. A, 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 go ahead. Oh, uh, what? Um, uh, why are you being a right Hegelian? <laughs> <laughs> Pete and Jeffrey Cucker. So what would right Jeffrey Cucker? Um, I would say that. Uh, He's retard. Sorry, I, I, for all you retards out there, I don't mean to insult you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's a little insensitive, I guess, isn't it? All you mentally cognitively disabled people out there, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, um, so so Doug, I mean, do you, do you kind of see where I'm coming from on that, or do you have a different view of, of oh, I the do, polycentric I do. I law mean, thing? Do you, these these are uh, mutually incompatible value systems. Like ultimately, there's going to be a conflict somewhere, and it needs to be resolved. And you can either resolve it through argumentation or through violence. <laughs> Those are your options. And they've uh, rejected the premise for argumentation. So it's okay. You want to be cattle? Then you're going to be treated like cattle. 
Well, yeah, that that kind of brings us to the point as to why all the commies uh, and why it's always a violent revolution with them. It's there's never right. any any sort of peaceful takeover. You you don't you never see. I mean, not national socialists, sure. Fascists, sure, they can get voted in, but you never ever see communists voted into power. At least if they are communists that were voted into power, they weren't communists when they ran. So I, I, I think that – I mean a strong point, but I think that if, if a community can – I guess if a community can keep it within inside of their own community and it doesn't spill over, I mean theoretically so no it's doable. Right, no like externalities. No externalities they at all? They, that's right. They have to deal with other communities based on a set of preordained rules. Um, that they must adhere to. Otherwise, I mean, they'll just get crushed is what will happen. Um, you know, because because we all have to agree that this means this and that means that. And anybody, any one of the three of us who's ever had a debate with a or, or any sort of brand of, of true socialist uh, realize, knows that they reinterpret words, um, use nihilist arguments – it, uh, disingenuously and so on uh, and so are willing to do anything, say anything, gaslight you on anything in order to to get their way. So. Right. Right. Um, Puppetry is strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Um, so so I guess uh, when I think of a, of a Rothbardian covenant community, I think of a community in which people, there's there's probably going to be some sort of charter and they're going to say these are the people that are going to be able to live here, and there are a few pe- ty- you know few people that will not be able to live in this community. The people who go to live here are going to live here because they want to not be living with these other people. In in right. a lot of cases, for instance, I want to live in a community where there's no dogs or cats. I mean that that's or, or there's no children. For that matter, yeah, I think those already exist with uh, some of the older older communities, right? Maybe they have HOAs and things like that, and uh, yeah, um, where where a lot of people get angry, and I think David will attest to this, and you probably too, probably will too, Doug. Um, When you start to follow it out to its logical conclusions, and you begin to realize that people. That that this will allow the establishment of non of of monoculture monocultural societies, and will not allow and monoracial societies in many cases uh, that there are a lot of people who begin to become upset because they've you know they've swallowed this giant hook on multiculturalism and diversity, and so right. they think that that uh, it's that's a that's essentially a crime. What do you think about that, David? Your your racist right Hegelian rhetoric is is <laughs> terrible. You why don't you go to Wyoming? <laughs> the first hey, the first Voltaire uh, can, Voltaire Voltaire can suck, suck my balls. Did <laughs> <laughs> Doug? I don't. Do you do you know what we're talking about? Well, what about Voltaire suck my balls? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. David's been that that stuff with Tucker where he was talking about Voltaire, and oh, right. uh, he, he mentioned him <laughs> one time. And I was... You posted a meme on his page. Go ahead, David. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I messaged him actually, and um, he replied almost instantly. He was like, "That's really powerful." <laughs> yeah, you <No>. got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I say, yeah, I agree. With Voltaire can suck my balls. Um, uh, so yeah, see, I don't know. Uh, so so, right. David, do you do you? What do you think about? Were you, you know, having a, a monoracial? Society in a covenant community. Do you, I mean, do you think that this is quote racist unquote racist, or that it, I mean, don't we do this now pretty much? Don't people sort of go live next oh, to yeah. people they, that are like them anyway? We like, given the choice. 
Yes, like um, Rachel's mentioned in that debate he had with um, Tucker, it's that um, uh-huh. people nowadays, even so, um, they associate on ethnic and cultural lines. They do it all the time. Every, every, pretty much everyone does it. It's just that we're subsidized to have um, third world uh, mud people come over here, and it's and it's um, from re- re- like refugees. We got thousands of refugees, and uh, we have an illegal problem, and that's uh, with legal aliens crossing from Mexico, and it's uh, uh, it's hurting our demography, and it's and causing a lot of damage, isn't it, to our to yeah. our to our financial yeah. system? Yes. So, it, so it, Doug, it, I mean, go ahead, David. I'm sorry. It it yeah ruins the um, utility of um, uh, I'm not a I'm not defending um, public commons. I'm just saying that that in the current state of affairs that we're dealt with, um, it's um, impractical to have them over here when our uh, with the public comment system when the resources is used by taxpayers and then they're coming in and using that same utility without having to pay taxes. Right. So what they do is they make an impossible situation even more impossible. So Doug, what, what do you think about the idea of a, of a covenant community being possibly racial or monocultural? Well, I mean, so I live near San Francisco, and probably a lot of people have heard of Chinatown. And uh, there's some aspects uh, in in just the Bay Area where the Chinese people generally they they evolve decide to live together and work together and outsiders are pretty much viewed as suspicion, they'll work with you. They're little capitalists. It's awesome. But uh <laughs> they charge cash mm-hmm. for what they have to offer, uh, so they can choose to charge you whatever because there's no price that's listed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's fascinating. I get a kick out of it because uh, um, I go with my Chinese friends and they, they hook me up. But uh, the, the, um, they've already <laughs> done it, basically. Like, they've, done, they've gone kind of outside the law. They, they're mostly cash-based business, so they don't even report taxes the same way that we do, which, of course, goes back into what you were saying about them not paying taxes in a public commons system. But, um, but mm-hmm. it is something uh, – you know, the immigrants look out for each other. They help each other out. They always hook each other up. They have a massive in-group preference. It, it seems like it's just natural for this to happen. Um, other other groups do this too. So uh, as far as it being racist, like it's not that they hate people. They just uh, look out for their own first. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's why that's why I I the whole the whole term racist. It just kills me. You know, people people should be free to associate who they want, you know, with who they want to associate with, or disassociate from whoever they want to disassociate with. And and this whole idea right. of racism, they throw it around like people out there throw it around like it's 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 real, and and it's not. Racism it, it was a is a de- defunct science. It's not around anymore. I don't know that it ought to be completely defunct, but. It, it, no one practices it really anymore, and instead they use it. And, and when you say, "Well, what's a racist?" If you, you finally nail some, some of these people down, eventually what it comes down to is it's white supremacy. So when they say white, when they say racist, it, it leads you down. If you start to question them and grill them, it leads them to this concept of white supremacy. And when you start to grill them on what is white supremacy, then the next thing you know, you're in conspiracy theory land. You know, uh, white people have kept all these people down all these years, and everything that's wrong with the black community or everything that's wrong in Africa, everything that's wrong all over the world, that's all white supremacy. And that's why I say that racism is essentially a a conspiracy theory. It's not real. And and, uh, But but we use the term because they use the term, and and we're trying to make points sometimes. Um. But but I I mean I think that in a free society people should be able, should have the freedom of discrimination of any of on everything not just race or good on everything. I like the shoes that you're wearing. <laughs> right right you know oh well, shit you, you know you got a big nose I don't like you. 
<laughs> well, Whatever this people are. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. You, 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 I do you, have a big nose though. You did it oh, again. Well. <laughs> 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 you did it again, David. <laughs> Just trying to live up. They 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 labeled this as alt right. We're just trying to live up to it, Doug. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> so 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 okay. So covenant communities are communities, and and I I think that if you look at a modern HOA, um, in in a lot of ways, it, it's a, it's a very similar concept. The difference is you don't really have um, you don't have all these layers of government over it. Um, so you know. You have your rules and your bylaws on that property. So, so how would a covenant community come come about? Do you think, um, Doug? I mean, if you were if you were to think about a way that that say four or five covenant communities would come into existence, how how would you see that occurring? Well, well, like I said, I already see it kind of naturally occurring, at least as far as it can within the legal environment. I mean, there's always creative mm-hmm. ways of getting around with the laws. Uh, for instance, in San Francisco, you have to rent to the first person that applies now, the first person, no matter what their qualifications are. And uh, what they end up doing is they kind of have a showing party and everyone just puts in their application and then, oh, look, the most qualified person happened to be the first one I read. So, you know, um, I can't help. Every as, time you say transgender, every time you say San Francisco, <laughs> I start thinking about gay people and transgender people and it just – uh-huh. I keep seeing fairies <laughs> flying around and all kinds of shit. That's, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. that's Berkeley too, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. but the reason, the reason I bring it up is that there's uh, <laughs> there's always ways of getting around whatever legal protections there are. Like these, these mm-hmm. Chinese community, a lot of them are very traditional and very conservative. A lot of them are anti-communist because they came from China when there was a communist revolution. So they're like, fuck communists, but they're not really big uh, into telling other people that unless you, uh, you know, talk to them, but, um, they don't right. really like outsiders. So, <laughs> but, um, right. so they have kind of their own, their own in-group rules that they've kind of, they have their own culture that they've already had before, uh, you know, the communists take over China. Um, so they generally try to follow those rules. And I see it's very similar to gangs and not to disparage it, but they come up with their own set of rules too. It's extra legal. I mean, but you have to enforce contracts, right? It's not like drug dealers are con calling the courts and asking them to enforce their deal, right? They have uh, their own manner of contract enforcement, which we'll need. You know, any, right. any community will need. You, uh, you fail to follow the right. laws, like how are we going to enforce that? Um, I see, sure. for the most part, what we have now is social ostracism. ostracism yeah, can't speak in that. Can't ostracism. Yes, yeah, social ostracism. <laughs> and uh, that's it works as far as it does. I mean, the uh, the state does subsidize the movement into somewhere else. So it's I mean, it's to avoid actual uh, actually resolving contractual disputes. But um, for the most part, they seem to get along fairly well together. It's not like those communities are breaking apart. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, really, it's just it seems to me that it's more about contract enforcement. The state just has a monopoly on it right now, but people will try to find right. creative ways around it. Right. Um, like, yeah, there's a monopoly on law at the moment, but it doesn't mean that people can't agree to do contracts in between each other. And while it's not legally enforceable, they still live by those contracts. Well, you can do – you can agree to use um, third-party arbitration on things and and you, yeah. and you that and then fall back to the legal system that's in place, the, the monopoly system. If the arbitration fails, the other side refuses to abide by the, by the arbitration. But – I, I know what you're saying, and, and I think that makes sense, you know. And then, you know, you see the, of course, we, in, in the Italian communities, you've got the Godfather, you know, right, that, right. that sort of arbitration right. going on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it, I, the, stupid joke, but David, so, so, what are you? What are your thoughts as far as? Um, the private law systems that, that you find in covenant communities and surrounding them say that as far as also them dealing with each other. Dealing with each other. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, pretty simple for me. Uh, yeah. Con having a contract, um, 
with a third party. Mm-hmm. Would be uh, so you mean between the when the covenant communities are dealing with each other, a contract with a third party. Yeah. Okay. So so are you thinking in terms of, for instance, let's say you got ten covenant communities and they all get together, or nine covenant communities they all get together and decide to pick one covenant community to enforce the law on the uh, to enforce relationships between the other covenant communities. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? Almost like a yeah. like a like what you and I have talked about. We're highly yeah. in favor of almost a monarch type situation or a a war leader who really doesn't have any any real domestic authority outside of his own property, but but does have authority to deal with outside powers and to lead any sort of military forces into war. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking like I'm I'm kind of an alloyal uh, al- monarchist myself. Um, I was mm-hmm. thinking that uh, for those who are interested in the Bible, I don't know if you guys have like a more more of a heathen following or Christian base, but say we look at Israel mm-hmm. when it was first formed, before there was a king, there were judges. Granted, I mean right. according to the mythology. Not to offend anyone, but according to the stories written, the uh, uh, judges happen to also be war leaders when necessary, you know, appointed by God or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, uh, it was chosen by the people at the time of necessity. So uh, there were judges who were known for being really good at resolving disputes, so people would seek solve their problems and be mm-hmm. on their way. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, arbitrators, right? Just uh, mm-hmm. everyone kind of understood this person was really good at helping us out. We're gonna go seek their help, and then uh, same thing with the with the war leaders, or you know, with the story of like Samson, who was uh, uh, fought uh, for Israel to to free mm-hmm. Israel before before a king was established. So, huh? Right before David, before David came along. Right, right, and and in that community, I mean, it was basically. Uh, Everyone, well, every man had property rights. So, <laughs> and then he dictated with his family what he did. So every man was basically the king of his own family, the patriarch. Right. And uh, and of course, if they had to go use a third party, they would just go find a third party that they agree on. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and I think there's a lot to be said about that. Um, I think I think we have an equal number of listeners, as far as I know, both both Christian and and pagan, probably or heathen. And and I I. I don't have a problem with that either. I think, but I think where I've always kind of late came down on was more, and and I think in terms. David and I are both Catholic. Uh, I'm not sure. Are you, uh, you you said you're Christian, Doug. Are you Protestant, Catholic, uh, or no? No, I I actually didn't say I was Christian, but I might as well be. I guess I don't know. I try to generally follow whatever we have some people believe. listen that are atheists, but it, you know, yeah. no big deal. Whatever, whatever is purposeful towards. A functional society is really what I'm going to follow, and I find that Christian values generally, without the cuckery involved with the church, et cetera, right? Sometimes the slave morality, uh, right? I, I mean, like I'm pretty, pretty big on the Ten Commandments. Are pretty kind of obvious, so it seems like, mm-hmm. well, I don't have a problem following those. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'll do that and, to the best. And of my I'm ability. with you. Yeah, I have right. a tendency to fall back. I look at the the Sax, the ancient Saxon kings. This is a pre-parliamentary um, monarchy. Uh, it had no mm-hmm. power at all domestically. All the power was held by the aristocrats on their property and the individuals, property owners, held held all the power domestically. The court systems you joined voluntarily. You picked the one you wanted. They're called boors. If you didn't join a court system, you became an outcast. Nobody deal with you. You pretty much get get ran out. Um, so you you know there were there were there were definitely things that you didn't actually enforce the, you, there was no there was no police force to enforce the laws there was no pu- executioner that got hired to come in if some guy murdered your really? brother or murdered your wife uh, you as the family if the ruling came down in your favor it was up to you to carry out the 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 judge's sentence really? and or you could hire somebody to carry out the sentence on your behalf. However, um, you could raise. I mean, once they, if let's say, let's say a guy killed uh, a woman's husband, 
and she had nobody to work the farm. I mean, she could kill him or have him killed by a family member, let's say the, his other family members, or she could be like, you know what? You now work for me. She owns him. He has to come work her farm, take her husband's place. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of yeah. that's the type of uh, system that they had. Um, and I and I kind of have a tendency to think that that probably works pretty well. Yeah, so, um, I, I don't know. Uh, David. Holding people accountable, uh, as in for the cost they they cause others, and then making them pay it. Right. Well, well, I think one of the the keys there is that the the woman, for instance, in the case of the guy that killed her husband, since she's the person that's wronged, she's the one who gets to decide what the punishment ought to be. Um, Right. So if if the judge says you can you can have this person all the you can do whatever you want all the way up to murder, this person, um, my you know my judgment is that he can be executed. If she came back and said I don't want to kill him, um, I'm going I want. 200 head of cattle, or I want him to come work my farm for, for the next 20 years. Whatever it might be, that's on her. That's her decision from that point on. Yeah, that seems just. Yeah. Like and I think like what the, you'd uh, find the, is that a lot of people. Oh, yeah, I think there's yeah, a lot right. of people who come time to execute that person, and they're like, I'm not killing anybody, but you are going to work for me for the next X years, you know, or you're going to do this or do that. So, um, so David, what do you on on the subject of um, covenant communities? What, what is your position? I mean, how, what do you think about Hoppe and some of the things that he's had to say for, about covenant communities, such as physical removal? Um, yeah, I think we can't allow a communist in because they don't believe in the non-aggression principle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or any any liberal or socialist, yeah. So they would they would be barred. Or, and if we found some in the community and they exp- espoused communist ideas, they would be physically removed. Um, mm-hmm. Well, let's say you had a community that was um, the bylaws were that only, for instance, uh, use an example from Doug, only Chinese people could live there. And you had a Chinese family that adopted a white child. Um, that would depend on the um, approval of let's the community. That, let's say they didn't seek approval up front. They just then one day uh, they had a white, they had a, a 12, 13, 14 year old white kid in their family. Then they'll have to. Um, be forced to forced to leave, physically removed, and find a, another community. And I agree. I think that's part of what physical removal is about. You have to you yep, have right. to be willing to live by the rules within the community. If uh, absent the uh, mega state, uh, we won't have civil rights. <laughs> well, I mean, right. you'll have property rights, and all rights are really derivative of property rights when it comes right down yeah. to it. All real rights, the mm-hmm. real rights. So, Doug, what do you think about that that idea of physical removal? I I, I agree with it 100%. Um, expulsion from a community seems uh, fair enough to me if they don't want to follow the rules, if they don't want to reciprocate, I should say, uh, and be a part of it. Yeah. Um, if they want to be wards, then they can be wards. If they want to take control of their own life by living by different rules, then they can go establish a new community or find one that will accept them. Well, you know, I, when I think of covenant communities, and I think it's the ultimate example that we can find in today's world, I think of um, Mennonites. Mm-hmm. Um, the, those types of, of communities, religious communities, where people where, – where at 18, you get a chance. They let you – you know, 17, 18, 19, I think you have several years to go out into the world and see what you prefer. If you prefer to live in the world, you know, in the modern world and, and not in that type of environment, then you leave and you don't come back. Um, 
if you decide you want to, I guess if you decide you want to live by those rules, they might allow you to come back later. I don't know. I, I, I haven't looked into that too much, but I know that, or you can decide to stay. But basically, it comes down to you get a choice at a certain age. You know, you're either going to be here, or we're going to they physically remove you. Right. Well, you that's know. like the rite of passage, wouldn't it be? Like, uh, like, like the age of majority or manhood right. You, uh, hey. Okay, now that you've been raised in this community, now you have the option. Now that we we've decided to recognize your uh, your input, and you're a man now, basically, or a woman, or whatever. I don't personally, I don't mm. think that women's discussion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. You're a man now. Uh, what are you going to do? Do you want to keep your inheritance, the community that we have built, that your fathers have built, or do you want to take your inheritance and get the hell out of here and try to go somewhere else and do something else with your life? Uh, I, I view it as a violation of usufruct, unless, of course, you can demonstrate that your forefathers have basically violated usufruct before you, and it's time for you to reestablish a, a community that follows private property guidelines better. Right. So, so I think I think what we're looking at. Go ahead, David. I hear you getting ready to throw something um, in there. Go ahead. Um, what would you say to Jeff Tucker if he? Um, said to you, well, um, uh, capitalism brings people who aren't um, otherwise um, associated with each other all together. Who are you talking to, Doug, or me? Um, You. I would say that to a certain extent he's correct, but I would also say he's also wrong. Um. There are situations in which in the marketplace we compete with each other, uh, and and that is not a situation of coming together. That's that's a that's a, a form of struggle. I mean, you know, the marketplace yeah. is a war in a way, but it's a it's it's not a kinetic war. You know, we're not hitting each other with axes and, and spears or shooting each other with guns, uh, but we are struggling with each other to get other people to agree to, to want what we have more than what the other guys offering uh, to see more value in us or in those things. And I'd say open borders only um, escalates that conflict over um, property rights and competition for, um, especially among in groups. Um, it, it makes that uh, worse and it forwards that, uh, that open borders forwards um, a bad strategy. Well, well, one of the problems with open borders is not even the, the increased competition necessarily. Okay, for me the issue is the fact that it's not that you're increasing competition; you're increasing parasitism. Yes, you're you're introducing people who are not as productive, who will never be as productive into your system, and in a system with a social safety net like we have and lots of public goods and public infrastructure, what you're doing is you're introducing parasites, free riders into your system that really have no business being there. Uh, we, we have enough free riders and parasite, basically parasites as it is. We don't need to introduce more parasites into the system. And I, and I, I want to differentiate for a second because I don't think necessarily all free riders are parasites. You know, if someone is paying for something and you happen to be live in the vicinity and get the benefit of it, well, you're free riding, but you're not running to them to get to get access to that. And if you're only getting right. access to what is there and it doesn't harm what that person's getting, that's one thing. But when you're coming into an area specifically looking to attach yourself onto uh, uh, public goods and services and in such a way that lessens what's available for those that are actually paying for it. You're a parasite. And that's what we have. <clears throat> we have a system in which people are coming across the borders and doing this, this type of thing. They are, they are actively seeking to latch on to the net taxpayer in these, com- in this community, in this country and siphon off wealth. And in many cases, they're receiving welfare payments and turning around and sending a portion of it to other places, to other countries. So this is an intentional strategy designed yes. in, to purposely draft wealth and, and uh, send it to another country, and that's a way to import poverty. 
Yes, right. that's yeah, that's what I was getting at too. It was that it, it's a it it's um, not necessarily competition, but it's a, a bad bad free riding. Um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, par- it's parasitism. And, and, yeah, and, and, the, funny, and the funny thing so, is, what, um, Doug? it's basically oh, theft. It's just state enforced theft. Right. The, so the state. This is this is where we come back to freedom of association and disassociation. The state will not allow me to disassociate from these parasites. It's forcing me to associate with them in a certain way. The, um, and that's what's wrong but, with it. Go ahead, David. The funny thing is um, about all this too is that the parasitism uh, it's being localized in white countries. Right, right. <laughs> it's a, well, there were some it's, Harvard studies done about, I would say, 10 to 15 years ago, some of them around the year 2000. And these Harvard studies showed, and, and if you go look, there's, there's probably, I think there's some studies now, they show that illegal immigrants as well as legal immigrants bunch up around places, around the states and the cities that offer the most benefit. The most social welfare benefits. I mean, it makes sense. That's what I mean. If that's yeah. what you're incentivized to do, that's your yeah, When I send that stuff to to people on social media, Doug, they usually it usually ends one two ways. They either block me if we're in a debate about it. They either block me or unfriend me, um, and, and because it, it absolutely doesn't. They they are they they cannot handle facts. They cannot handle them. They are so I mean, tied into just, this open border thing. Yeah, it's, it's that's really weird. I mean, if you were in that position, like if you just put yourself in their shoes and this is what you believe, it would make sense that that's what you would do. And you're like, hey, I'm going to get as much help as I can from the state. Cool. Some people have that perspective. Sure. Right. It's weird that, they, that people can't identify and understand and empathize with these people. I mean, not that. I mean, maybe those people don't understand that they're basically stealing from other citizens, but just from a, a normal point of view, a normie point of view, that shouldn't be too difficult to consider. Well, and I think I think they, in a lot of cases, they do understand, but they think they feel as though it's owed to them. They have, we have a system, an academic system, and a a news system. We have a government-based system that has spent many years creating a chain of justifications as to why it is that white people owe all these other groups of people money and things. And the reason why this has come about, in my opinion, is because they know that multiculturalism doesn't work. So they know that at some point some fighting is going to happen. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out a way to emoliate these these other groups by giving them more money and things because they're incapable based on the statistics I've seen of earning it themselves. But at the same time, they're going to have to figure out how to keep white people, the Europeans that are already here, from getting up in arms about all the money that's being given to these groups and all of the treatment, special treatments being given to these groups. And the only way they can do it is through guilt. They've got to make mm. them feel like they owe it. Right, right. You, uh, I, I mean, I think manipulation is a form of force, but that's a whole other. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a an interesting perspective. It's kind of obvious. If you can just guilt people into doing it, they believe that it's true, then you got it made. That's right. So, in in a society where you where you try to have this multicultural, diverse society. Some groups, I mean, equality is a myth. You, or the three of us know it. In some manner or, or method, you have got to figure out a way to try and, um, you know, to try and um, remedy the hard feelings that the groups that are less capable of, of earning that wealth are feeling while watching certain other groups be far more successful than they are decade after decade, you know, so on and so forth. So, right. Um, and so I think that uh, uh, covenant communities will eliminate a lot of that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, 
I, I do think it will eliminate a lot of that problem. As long as there's no subversive. So, <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, we'll think about it, Doug. If if um, if you can keep the, the parasites, if you can literally say we're going to go live over here, and our community doesn't allow these parasites in, then you know you kind of saw the problem rule unless they can overwhelm you. Yeah, as long as that rule stays the same, um, that's my concern. Is that uh, it's whenever someone starts going soft or starts thinking they're being reasonable by violating or or say promoting a constitution that can change. Some truths are just eternal. Incentives are an eternal truth. It's a universalized truth. There's nothing that needs to be changed about it. Just recognize that incentives don't ever need to be there, and it shouldn't be a problem. So my concern is somewhere down the line. Someone says, "You know what? Maybe we should uh, we should start getting some more people in here and start justifying it." <laughs> I think they and that's where be that's, allowed to be subversive. And that's where Hoppe comes in with physical removal. Right, David. Right. That's that. I mean, <laughs> don't don't you agree that that's what Hoppe is talking about? Um, sorry, uh, that, I was. Oh, I caught you napping, caught you sleeping. <laughs> no, uh, we were saying that <laughs> we were saying that um, uh, we were talking about parasites. Covenant communities allow you to keep the parasites out, or the parasites that you don't want out. And the ending result is that um, uh, he said, "Well, then you, you know, then you start having problems with people who basically start to try to subvert those communities." And I said, "That's where Hoppe comes in." You know, yes, physical yeah. removal. Yes, uh, the parasite problem. Um, you can't. You just can't have parasites. Uh, they run up the cost to see. Right, cancer starts right. internally. <laughs> someone, sure, someone in the so that's one of the problems. Is what I was saying earlier. We we have enough parasites already. It's bad enough. Now we're importing them. Right. Right. You don't want to diminish your. Um, Utility, your resource utilities. Right. Correct. Just as bad private, bad management. <laughs> uh, yeah. Similar, similar to, to the Fed printing extra dollars. Like now everyone's lost because of inflation. And you, you, uh, failing at managing the utility of your resource. Yep. So, so we're coming down to the point. Um, so, so. One last real quick hit as we as we do this because we're coming down to the point where we're starting to run low on time. But uh, for me, I, I think that covenant communities uh, actually allow people the opportunity to live like they want to live. If you want diversity in multiculturalism, that would allow you to have it without forcing everybody else to take part in it if they don't want right. to have it. If you want to have uh, whatever, then you're allowed to have it. So I think that, that it, for me, it's an optimal solution to allowing people to live their life in a way that makes them more happy. What, do you have any last thoughts, real quick thoughts, David, um, on on covenant communities? Um, it's not uh, racist to uh, exclude people uh, based on your preferences because everybody has them. Um, Everybody has um, a hierarchy of beliefs, um, and you can't. And to to say someone can exclude is is a performative contradiction. Okay. All right. Right. I mean, the very basis of most crimes that we understand is the inability to exclude from, from another person, like theft, rape murder. That's all the inability to, so it seems pretty intuitive that exclusion is the important key aspect here. Okay. So, and, and, so and, that, those are all good points. Go ahead, David. And uh, I'll, yeah, I want open borders for um, for Israel because <laughs> because they, they want you, white white nations can't exclude every everyone else, but they can have closed borders. <laughs> well, you know, I haven't really heard anything come from Netanyahu about that 
or, or anybody in Israel, most of the people who are Israeli citizens or um, that or that it might be Israeli citizens that I hear talking like that are in the states, and you know, they're like some of the Jews that you see in the states. Those that seem to be the ones that absolutely seem to just demand that we take in as many you know refugees in from third world shitholes as we can. You know, load load up the ships with shitholers. Let's go. But as far as like Netanyahu and those and some of those guys, I haven't heard them say anything about the, us needing to keep our borders open. I mean, have you guys? Mm. No. So I haven't heard. I, have a hard, I mean, I, go ahead, David. I haven't really heard anything, but um, it's. I think it's mostly their um, their intelligentsia community that's uh, advocating that, and probably what it is. They're yeah. academic. In, in the U.S. In the U.S. and well, uh, in Europe. I mean, all right, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real problem here in the states. I mean, even the ones that are Republicans. I mean, look, Bill Crystal and those guys—they're they're little more than just real war hawkish Democrats. I mean, that's all they are. Uh, they're no better. They're they're really not any better than than most of the Democrats. Uh, I mean, they they pay attention to facts and and hard reality just just slightly more, but that's all. Um, so we're at that point where we haven't always been doing it lately. A lot of times for time constraints, and we had lots of guests on our show, but uh, we do a, a sort of a dirty commie bastard segment where we pick a dirty commie bastard every. Every episode usually, and we, we kind of said last episode we were going to go back to that. So I kind of figure I know who Davis <laughs> is going to be. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and let's get initiate that. I'm a dirty So I, I always I love that song. Um, so my my dirty commie bastard this week is really it's more than one. It's Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Alyssa Milano, Judd Apatow, Juliana Moore or Julian Moore, uh, Danny Zucker, Andy Richter, a bunch of these guys, Morgan Freeman. These guys are all jumping on the the you know took to Twitter right after the Santa Fe shooting. And started talking about, you know, the Republicans are a problem. And, you know, all these guys want gun control. And I'm really sick of it. I'm sick of hearing it. They're, they're just, they're nothing but a bunch of damn sociopaths. They, they don't really care about what happened to these people. They just care about trying to get rid of your guns. That's all they care about. So, David, what do you think about, about these people? Um, I have been watching the news lately. I don't know what they've been saying. Well, just that, you know, they basically, they came right out. A bunch of them told the Republicans to go fuck themselves on Twitter. Of course, they didn't get banned. They don't ever get banned for anything. So, um, Doug, have you been paying attention to any of that? Yeah. The, uh, you know, the shooter is a dad's ball, right? Or at least as far as I can tell, he? he looked like his dad's ball with a hodgepodge of other beliefs. It was like, oh, he's white. I'm like, this guy has a army town. Did you say a Nazball? ball? Yeah, national oh, Bolshevik. Na- nationalist Bolshevik. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't surprise me. I mean, the commie is a commie, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. <laughs> I don't care if he's like, a oh, there you go. Or a commie. <laughs> yep. Who's sick? Yeah, uh, you know. So we know who we know who uh, uh, Doug's commie bastard is. Probably should have been mine too. Um. David, who's your commie bastard of the week? Does his name start with a with a J, and his second name start with a T? Um, I I forgot about this segment. Uh, J T. <laughs> you know you love it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's. He's the commie bastard of the week, and um, 
I'll probably send this to him as well. <laughs> That's right, because, you know, this is some powerful stuff. <laughs> oh, God. I, he is, he's got to be gay. I'm sorry. Has he, has he come out and said he's gay yet? Has um, he, no, anybody yeah. know? Has he come out of the closet yet? <laughs> he, he made those comments about the gardener, about the brown, the glistening oh. uh, bronze-chested gardener or something. I, oh no, that was. Uh, um, I think that was that was um, fancified. It was. Uh, um, he he was talking. To, I think he kind of said something maybe close to that in the debate with so many words, but not, but not that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he said it. Well, uh, you know, my my beautiful anarchy. He, he he's always talking about like he he talks like Pope Francis to me. Sorry to say, does he? With the his, his language is. Feminine. Nothing, yeah. nothing about him. Nothing about him is masculine, except that he wears a suit. <laughs> <laughs> well, inverted. well, no, he's full of wh- he's he's full of whiskey and snuff, though. Yes, he Jack he, Daniel, he, or just a Jim Beam and snuff. Jim Beam and um, um, skull. Yeah, that man's full of Jim Beam and skull. Oh well, so. So okay, so we got our three commie bastards. We've got well more than three because I named a bunch of people, and you know Rosie O'Donnell and Alyssa Milano and that whole crew. Um, we got Jeffrey Tucker, and then we've got the shooter, our nationalist communist guy. So I'd say that rounds it out pretty good. Um, I don't know. So so Doug, um, you want to throw anything out there uh, at the last minute? I mean, I know that you. You uh, mess around with Bitcoin a little bit. Any any cool Bitcoin sites, crypto sites that anybody ought to go look up or, or look into? Uh, you know, it's, uh, I really just threw a landing hold. It's <laughs> kind of a normal holder on that one. Um, right. Uh, I you know what I recommend Monero though um, for those who are cyberpunk okay. who want to kind of break away from the state. Monero is more untraceable than Bitcoin ever will be. Okay. And I where is that one? Who created Monero? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, it's more like okay. a community okay. developers that don't want to be known kind of thing. Gotcha. <laughs> kind of like Bitcoin. Okay. So we got about 30 seconds, David. You want to throw? You you were wanting to throw something in there real fast. Oh no, it's just um, I've heard I heard of Monero okay. before. Okay, it's pretty good stuff. Well, I I normally I usually have make sure that our our exit music is different than our beginning music and i've heard san francisco more in this episode than any other episode so <laughs> i've got something well, i'm well, going to leave us with today well, well apologies for san proximity i offended everyone there <laughs> san, well, we got san francisco and jeff we got san francisco and jeff tucker yeah, I don't have any, I don't have the song What Would Jeffrey Cucker Do, but I need to get it. All right, guys, here we go. Here's our exit song. It's a new one. Al, he doesn't care for lesbians. Gee, he thinks two men should just be friends. B, to his dumb knowledge, uh, is just is a phase in college. Uh, he he finds confusing Sony's now refusing women who only want <laughs> to serve <laughs> be in, be in high time trans they men high time who want rights we and they're all high time deserve. And they have to be physically Hold Thinks it's unsavory. Patriots to no real bravery. Trump's got hate for me (laughs) and you. (laughs) Jeff Tucker will be removed. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is Jeff Tucker's song. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.